Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Alright. Turn the wheel! No! Reverse! Reverse! Slow the out! Don't kill it! Kill it! Kill the owner! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse! Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're doc now. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. We are part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. We are happy to be bringing you our second show this week. We are going to close out our buyers and sellers from around the NBA. We covered in our last episode Atlanta through Chicago, going alphabetically through the NBA by city. So if you want to check that out, go back to check out those five teams, and then we're going to get into the rest of them here today. I am joined by our producer, Connor Con, how are you this morning? What's up, Keith? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing good, thanks. Our buddy Pete is not with us today. He's on dad duty, so he's uh, with us in spirit. And um, we'll get into it. One thing we do want to do, too, is in our last show, we talked about how the Nikola Miritich trade had fallen apart. And Con wasn't, feels like it was like a day later, it was back on and happened. So we want to close the book on that trade and uh, get into that a little bit. And then we'll get into the buyers and sellers. And it's good that we have Con with us because um, he is the Bulls guy on the program. So I'll give you the particulars on the trade and then Con, give us your thoughts on what you think. Um, we'll start with the Bulls side of it. So it had, the final deal ended up being Miritich and a um, second round pick, which is kind of one of the funnier ones. It's the third time the Pelicans have owned this second round pick as they, uh, they owned it originally, then traded it to Miami, got it back in a subsequent trade, and then traded it to Chicago, and now I've gotten it back again. So it's uh, just kind of funny that it's like a boomerang is what I said on Twitter. It keeps going back around to him. So Miritich and that pick to the um, Pelicans for Omer Ashik, Tony Allen, Jameer Nelson, a protected first-round pick, uh, which is probably going to convey this year. It's only one through five protected, so unless the Pelicans really fall apart and then have uh, incredibly um, good lottery luck. Uh, it's not going to go to um, Chicago, but so most likely Chicago will get it this year. And then a second-round pick, or rights to swap a second-round pick, I guess it is, uh, down the line in the future. So those are the particulars. So, Con, you're the Bulls guy. How do you think the Bulls did in this trade? Um, I think I think they did really well. Actually, a lot of people were bashing them for giving up a second-rounder, but there are a lot of things that went into this deal. Um, one, the the second rounder that that they're going to swap is in 2021 
So that's the first year that Anthony Davis could not be on the Pelicans. So that second rounder could actually be a solid second rounder. Obviously, it's down the line, but when the time comes, it's not going to be down the line anymore. So that could really matter if it's in the 30 to 40 range. And um, and then that first round pick, I just wanted to say it's top five protected this year. So if by some miracle the Pelicans keep it, it goes to top eight protected next year, top 10 the year after, and then top nine the year after that. Then it becomes two second rounders. I thought that was a really interesting sequence of pick protections. I haven't really seen that before where it goes up or it's less or it's more protected the year after. And then it like drops and rises. It's uh, I, I, don't, I wonder what the reasoning for that was. But um, in any case, yeah, I think... So one, sorry, I want to jump in on that. That definitely yeah. is interesting, the way it, it kind of moves around the the board. And we, we've seen some teams do some interesting things with, with protections. And, you know, that Boston-Philly trade at the draft where it's Philly gets it if it's one, Boston gets it if it's two through five, Philly gets it if it's six through 30. We've seen teams do generally the protections are sliding protections, which end up being... Uh, uh, you know, going back um, the other direction for for a team, it usually you know starts out more protected and then they lessen as it goes. So this is definitely interesting and something to watch. I I still think it's probably going to be Chicago's yeah. pick this year, but but yeah, no, I, I mean you never know, right? It could could end up you know coming into play. Yeah, and well, hopefully it doesn't. But um, yeah. <laughs> and then that we well, there's also that Bucks pick too. That's really complicated where they get it if it's like seventeen to twenty or something this year um in the the greg monroe bledsoe trade um but anyway this this trade i think uh the reason why i fully thought it was going to happen and the reason why the pelicans were able to maybe get a second round pick and i don't think it was that ridiculous that the bulls in the end had to give it up was because both teams were desperate to get this deal done basically the the Pelicans really wanted Miritich because they needed a guy that can stretch the floor for Anthony Davis and play with them this year so they could still keep their seat standing in the playoffs. And the Bulls needed a first-round pick for Miritich because I don't think there was another first-round pick available. And this isn't, the, and they were okay with a late first-rounder, but this gave them a mid-first-round pick, which is great. I mean, the Pelicans could even fall off if... Um, if Anthony Davis gets hurt for any extended period of time, this this pick looks even better than than it is. And top five protections isn't too too much, so I think they'll they'll get it. And I mean, I mean, I think it's a win for the Bulls for sure. Um, and it just the way negotiation goes. But uh, did you Jameer Nelson and Tony Allen are also part of this deal coming back to the Bulls? The Bulls are going to waive Tony Allen if they haven't already. Um, and then they're, I think they're going to keep Jameer Nelson to see kind of how it works. I have a feeling the Bulls are looking at this roster and how they're playing or how they did play with Chris Dunn in the lineup. Um, this recent losing streak is, has all been without Chris Dunn, but, um, I think they just want to see how Jameer Nelson fits in. And I feel like they have a slight goal or maybe a slight thinking that they'll make the playoffs next year so guys like Jameer Nelson are good to have off the bench in that case um but yeah 
I, I think it's a win for both sides, honestly. Maybe you can give us the Pelicans. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm definitely going to give the Pelicans side here in a second, and, I, and I'm with you. I, I wrote the trade reaction for Real GM, and I basically called it a win-win, uh, but the Pelicans won slightly more. Oh, you think um, so? In my opinion. Yeah, I, I do. I think so um, <clears throat> because I think they, they get a really good player in Miritich for the next two years, and this is a team that has struggled to acquire depth. And they got off Ashik's money. So it's almost like they doubled on that second round. But we'll get into them because I want to react to a couple of things on the Bulls side that you said. And the first is that I, Tony Allen, definitely, they, they need to waive him. They, they already have Tony Allen Jr. and David Nawaba on the roster, you know, and just let him go. Let Allen get to a playoff team where he can be a defensive wing for a playoff squad. And then Jameer Nelson, part of the reason why I think they're going to keep him is they've had a ton of injuries at the point guard position. I know campaigns due back soon. Hopefully Chris Dunn um, sounds like he's starting to progress through the concussion protocol and he he will hopefully be back soon. But I think they're seeing like Ryan Archie Diacono, Nice player, but he's not really an NBA rotation guy. And one thing you don't want to do, even when you're you know tanking, if you want to call it that, or not oh, trying overly hard to win, you don't want to bury your team with, with terrible point guard play because then all your young guys don't get to develop. So at least with Jameer Nelson around, they can have someone who, if they these injuries continue or guys don't make it back, they've got a guy who can... Get, get guys in the right place, run the offense credibly, and do some nice things. So that's part of my thinking on that. Now, I, I think they'll also, if Nelson comes to them and says, you know, hey, I want to get out and I really want to go to um, a playoff team, I think they might grant that. But, it, but Jameer Nelson hasn't been that kind of guy. Uh, historically in his career, he's been, you know, a good soldier and stuck it out. So I th- think that's what we'll ultimately see. I, I, I think what happened with the second round pick, because I'm with you, I saw a lot of people beating them up on it. I, and I think it goes back to they traded a second rounder kind of needlessly in the campaign trade, which didn't make, you know, that one didn't make any sense because they already had given up the better players. Then beyond that, they also did a, um, they, they get, they sold the second round pick to the to the Warriors at the draft. And I think that's where people are beating this team up (laughs) too much for these second rounders. This one, my guess is this was to lighten up those protections is what my guess is. Because I I, I believe New Orleans, what they probably were trying to do was top 10 protected or something like that. And if you're the Bulls, to give up a second rounder, when you already have a ton of young guys anyway, to get a loosened protections, that's that's worth it all day long in my book. And I'm glad you counted, you called out the swap rights because if that comes into play and Davis leaves town, that could end up being a great second-round pick. And sometimes teams like those early top-of-the-round picks more than they like the uh, the lower um, first-round picks because you're, you're not locked into a contract terms and those kind of things. So interesting there um, with what the Bulls did. On the Pelicans' side... Like I said, I think it's a win because you got off Oshik's salary and you got Miritich back. Uh, the, Miritich is going to help them big time in their rotation. They they did not get Greg Monroe. The news is Greg Monroe, after being bought out by the Suns, is going to sign with the Celtics. I expect that to happen today uh, for Boston. He's probably not going to 
to play in today's game. We're recording this, by the way, Sunday morning, uh, Super Bowl Sunday morning. The Celtics play a noon game against the Portland Trailblazers. And uh, let me throw in there, go Patriots. So sorry if we lost any listeners, but I am uh, uh, I try to be pretty um, unbiased in my NBA analysis. I am a 100% biased uh, New England Patriots fan, so <laughs> take that for what it's worth. And that, that closes probably all of the football talk we will have in the history of this program. Um, but anyway, back to the trade. They also, you know, they, they pick up that second-round pick, you know, get their own back, which is just another trade capital piece. The other thing that's going a little underreported is that they cleared Nelson and Allen, which is important because it cleared roster spots and a little bit of wiggle room under the hard cap. New Orleans is really close to that, so now they've got enough room to sign a couple guys to prorated um, contracts the rest of the way um, on veteran minimum deals on the buyout market. So I think they'll be active in that sense, or they could pursue you know a trade that brings in maybe a little more money than they might have been otherwise. So, you know, I think really good for the Pelicans. If you want more on my thoughts on it, you can hop over to Real GM and read the grading the deal piece. But, you know, win-win trade for both um, sides here. Well done by the Bulls and the Pelicans. And good on them for getting back together to to get this thing, you know, finished and wrapped up. Yeah, I, I, never believed, I never believed that they were done talking about it. I think they just wanted to... it's really interesting to me how negotiations could maybe go because they probably stalled and they're like, all right, well, we'll continue talking about this later. And then the Pelicans were like, okay, we'll pick up Nico's option, but we're going to need something in return. And they're probably like, let's get that second round pick. And then the Bulls, and then the Bulls were like, okay, well, if we're going to give up that second round pick, you could have taken Nico's salary anyway. We're going to need you to lighten up those protections and and a swap. Or they didn't say the swap and they're like, let's give you Jameer Nelson and Tony Allen. They're like, we only expected one player so let's have that swap in that year so i was i'm I'm really curious as to the the uh sorry the order in which the talks progressed because it's interesting to see how they got to where they got it reminds me one of those fantasy trades where it's like i'll trade you this guy for this guy it's like oh that's a little unbalanced i'll throw in this guy well not your side so let me throw in this guy and then it just keeps building and pretty soon you know you you get it together this was one of it was a very complicated trade in the sense of um you know, I know a lot of people, they, they look at it and they just see the names of the players and go, but there were salary concerns. There was uh, working around Miritich's no trade option uh, or no trade clause rather, or if getting him to, to uh, exercising his team option. So there was a lot of things that went in, into this trade that made it you know kind of one of the more complicated and complex negotiations. So I think that's why it took the extra couple of days to get completely finished and wrapped up. So um, I, I touched on it briefly in there. One last thing before we get into buyers and sellers, because it is related and we already covered the Celtics as a buyer. We, we said they would be, they have uh, reportedly agreed to a one year, $5 million deal with Greg Monroe, who was bought out by the Phoenix Suns. The, how they're going to acquire him is via the disabled player exception that they have for Gordon Hayward. And that means that that, is, that disabled player exception, it was worth $8.4 million. It's now off the table. You can't split it. You don't get to use it later um, or anything like that. So that is now gone. They're going to use $5 million of that. And a lot of people have asked me on Twitter, why didn't they just give Monroe the full eight point four? And there's kind of two schools of thought. Is One is why pay more than you have to for anything, right? That should be your rule in life. You're not going to walk in and pay full price for a TV if they're willing to give it to you on sale. And then the second thing is, 
by giving Monroe just the five million, they stayed about three million or so under the luxury tax, and that's really important for the Celtics because not because they're cheap, because their owners will pay the luxury tax, but it's really important because Boston has to try to avoid the repeater tax down the line in a few years. And by staying under this year, it's one less year that's going to add to that because they're likely to be a tax team as contracts come due for some of their free agents moving forward. Even the guys they can give modest raises to, like an Aaron Baines or Monroe, they don't, that's all going to add up. And then they've got guys like Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier. They're coming to Kyrie Irving needs a new contract in a couple of years. So it's just going to be be something the Celtics really need to watch and monitor. So that's you know, where we're at with that. Um, you know, for, for that, you have any thoughts on the Greg Monroe trade um, more on the floor, Con? Well, I think it's great for the Celtics because even though Monroe may be overpaid a bit, um, it's only for one year. And he, I mean, the Celtics aren't going to be paying him that much, but he's a big body that they, they can uh, bring off the bench. Uh, they've had rebounding pro- problems in the past, um, and they've shorted up a bit. But I think all, having that nice big man uh, coming off the bench is, is ideal for them, especially now they don't need to stagger Horford and Kyrie as much um, because Kyrie. I mean, because Monroe can play off the be- play off the bench and kind of give them what. Uh, not as much as what Al Horford can bring because he doesn't stretch the floor, but he's a good low post presence that they don't have right now. Yeah, Monroe has become what I think the kind of, if you want to call him the dinosaur um, big, so like the Monroes and Al Jeffersons and those kind of guys, where they're best now is coming off the bench because they can just feast on second units and you know and that's what Monroe's going to give them he's already the best rebounder on the roster and he's not even officially signed yet um which is you know saying something and then they um you know and then he he's a much better passer than I think people have given him credit for over most of his career so I think they can run some of the same actions with Horford as far as him hitting guys on the move or you know passing from the high post I think those two will play together a little bit as well and then one one last thing is before we move off this topic and into the next is what's being overlooked is now Brad Stevens can rest Horford Baines and Daniel Tice a little bit more in the season none of those guys have really taken nights off unless they've been nicked up or injured so now it's he can either give them entire nights off or they or he can give them um you know in-game rest that they weren't getting otherwise because behind those three they had nothing as far as then they were just going small because Gershon Yabaselli is not ready and Semi Ojale and Marcus Morris they're they're you know more wings in the Boston system than they are big. So so I think this this trade has a lot of benefits from a or not trade signing rather has a lot of benefits uh, from there. And uh, the all reports are they're not done. They're still chasing another guy or two to figure out how they they can get get deep. And I think after the Cavaliers took another beating last night, I don't know if you watched any of that con, but I, I missed Rockets. that. Yeah, I saw the score. <laughs> yeah. I saw the score. Yeah, you you didn't you didn't miss anything <laughs> unless you're a Rockets fan of or a fan watching the Cavs defense get humiliated yet again but I think teams are really starting to smell blood in the water in the Eastern Conference from from the folks I'm talking to around the league they're starting to believe hey we can beat this team um you know so we'll we'll see we'll see where that goes so what we're going to do right now we're going to take a quick break and then we will get back to it with the buyers and sellers around the rest of the NBA um, as we close out kind of our trade deadline preview show here on the NBA front office show 
This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show, part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. Uh, it's Keith Smith here, and I'm joined by Connorell, and we are going to go through the rest of the buyers and sellers here in the NBA as we kind of say if they're a buyer or seller, either or neither, um, in our opinion, and then we'll also uh, give a sense of who we think the player most likely to be traded on the roster is. So if you want to catch the first five teams alphabetically by city, that's on our previous episode, so you can go through Atlanta through Chicago there. So we're going to start off with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Con, Cavs, buyer or seller? Um, I think I think they're definitely buyers. And I just wanted to say to everyone listening, if you hear noise in the background, I'm getting some work done in my kitchen. So um, that's why that's there. Anyway, but back to the Cavs. They are definitely um, buyers. I mean, I think they, they want to be buyers without selling or without, uh, or sorry, they're sellers buyers I'm, I'm i messed up um they're buyers <laughs> they want to give away pieces and get and compete this year so the cleveland their own first round pick is looking very um kind of open to trades i think because even though that brooklyn pick might be enticing to move to go for a championship to get a really nice piece this year i just don't see who they're gonna get because be- before the season it was paul george or boogie Neither of those guys would have been moved if Boogie was healthy and Paul George isn't going to be moved because the Thunder want to compete. So I think they're going to have to pull a move um, with that first rounder, maybe use Channing Fry's expiring $7.54 million deal to get something back. And yeah, that, and then IT is just a, it's a whole nother situation on its own. But they're definitely trying to do some win now moves without giving up that Brooklyn pick is what I see them doing. Yeah, you know, I see the Cavs as sitting in almost a unique situation where they're, I kind of, I called them this in a radio appearance this week where I said, they're a buyer, but they may be a buyer via selling. Um, if that and, makes and that's sense. why I got confused in my <laughs> yeah, right. Because I was like, wait, they're selling people, but they're buying. So that's why I got confused. Yeah, but they're, yeah. they're not a, um, you know, they're not the, let, let's use the Bulls as an example because we're all in agreement. The Bulls will, you know, they'll move a guy like a Justin Holiday or Robin Lopez if they can to, you know, get picks or young talent or whatever. So they're sellers. The Cavs, they, they want they want to trade some of their, their I, I, I hesitate to call them lesser pieces, but let's just say ill-fitting pieces to maybe then go get better fitting pieces that might be better for them. So, you know, I, it nothing... Outside of them trading LeBron James, nothing would surprise me 
that they do at the deadline. They traded Kevin Love, who now he's injured, so that probably complicates things. But if they traded Love or traded Isaiah Thomas or traded some package of Tristan Thompson and Jay Crowder, none that none of those moves would surprise me if they did that to bring in other players. They traded the Brooklyn pick. Again, wouldn't surprise me. I would say probably the least likely to be moved things on their roster are LeBron, obviously, as well as then. Then it's probably next is that Brooklyn pick. Anything else on their team, I could see them easily giving up in trade as they go. So they're going to be, you know, just if for no other reason, because they're the Cavaliers, they're going to be a team to watch the rest of the way. <clears throat> and they're going to be somebody that, you know, we're, we're four days away from the deadline. As, as I said before, this it's Sunday morning where we're recording this and the deadline's Thursday. Who knows what this team's going to look like by the time uh, Thursday night rolls around. Yeah, and, you know, I, I fully expect a very different Cavs team just because of the amount of moves that they could be doing. I mean, go down every... like I mean, I don't want to repeat what you were saying, but if you go down every piece of their roster, you could see how they can move them. Maybe, like, Kyle Korver might be the one guy that, like, people might not want and they need the spacing... <laughs> So Kyle Korver, I don't really see being moved, but <laughs> yeah, and, he, and even a guy like he, Korver, like if if a team came and said, "Hey, we'll give you somebody else who can score the ball and shoot a little," you know, they I could even see that just because of you know you know him being what he is. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, he's probably towards the higher end. Yeah, it, what it, it's just yeah, they're a, I don't want to call him a mess because it's that's that's probably not the right term, but just what an interesting uh, deadline this is going to be. And I didn't say it, but for me, the player, if you're going to make me pick one guy who's most likely to be traded, I'd go with Channing Fry simply because he's an expiring contract, and that probably makes sense. Even if they do need him a little bit more now that Kevin Love is out, but if they could put him in a deal to bring back a defensive-minded big, I, I think they definitely would. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is with the Cavs, LeBron isn't trying yet, um, and that's and that's a whole nother animal come playoff time. So I, yeah, you know what's what's disappointing to me is there's the the quotes are coming out from last night's game, and I I, I ended up uh, crashing a little early, so I didn't I wasn't active on Twitter last night after the game. But he said something along the line of like I'm doing my job, I can't you know, worry about what everybody else is doing. And then when you look at it, he he was awful last night like he yeah i mean the entire team was so i'm not laying the blame on him but he was just just absolutely terrible last night so i just i I don't know it's things just are bad in cleveland and that's and that's why teams you know think that they they can win and that's why teams are willing to go at them which is as nba fans this is great for us right because we want we want it to be more competitive um in at least the eastern conference and you know, and we've talked about this before. I think the West is more competitive than people are given credit for, too, because I think Houston's closer to beating the Warriors this year than anybody has been in the West in the last few years. So, but that's a that's another show we can get into that. So, let's move to our next team. Unless you you got anything else on the Cavs, are you ready? All right, let's get into our next team, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, the Mavericks, they, they're they're done. They are out of the playoff race. I'm gonna say though, I don't think they're. There, I, I'm going to put them in the neither camp. And for me, the reason why is they don't really have pieces that they would sell off. They're never going to trade Dirk, you know, unless Dirk says, hey, trade me. And that's not going to happen. And then beyond that, 
it's the rest of their guys are guys that even if teams wanted them, I don't know that they'd move. You know, they aren't going to move Dennis Smith Jr. They're probably not going to move Harrison Barnes. Um, you know, whether there'd be a trade for a guy like Barnes or not that would come up. Berea, Harris, those are guys I think probably stick around. Maybe Nerlens Noel. He doesn't really have a future there, but I don't even know what you'd get for him. Right now, that doesn't seem to be a good market. And Wesley Matthews, that's another questionable one. So I'm going to say that the Mavericks, they're, they're probably just going to sit sit this deadline out is my my best guess for them at this point. I just I, I can't see them doing much of anything unless they, they renounce their trade exceptions and the like, and then they eat a contract from a team because they, along with Chicago, um, are the only ones who have any kind of real cap space that have the ability to eat contracts from other teams. Nobody else has enough space. Well, I guess Phoenix could eat a small one, but those are the uh, that, that's what I see with the Mavericks. So, what about you? Well, yeah, and with the Mavs, I'm just gonna add on a bit to what you're saying. I think they, if if you were to classify them, it would be sellers just because they're down in the standings. They might want to be adding picks, and they have guys like. Um, Nerlens Noel, who might be able to bring a second rounder, or Seth Curry. I think Dwight Powell's an interesting discussion, even though someone might not want his contract. It's like, let's take on a bit worse salary and send you Dwight Powell type thing if you give us an asset. Um, But with, with the Mavs, what I wanted to say is they still have guys like Barnes and Matthews, and then Dennis Smith Jr. obviously is, is a big is a big time rookie for them and then their pick next year so with the with the cap market in the way that it is around the league they're one of the only teams with actual room that they can spend money next year and with quality players like barnes smith uh dennis smith and Wes matthews some a, a major or maybe right below major um free agent might actually want to come here however i was looking at this mavs roster and after jumping over from cleveland i i haven't heard this from many people but why not like the brooklyn pick and tristan thompson and channing fry for harrison barnes i don't know if the mavs do that but that's something the Cavs could definitely use the mavs would have two top 10 picks this year um i don't know i just i just kind of saw that right now but yeah, it could be. You know, the only thing I think from the Cavs side is then you're you're basically saying, forget it, we're just going to play without anything resembling a traditional big man, because then you've got that. Now you've got a, uh, you've got Barnes, LeBron. They can take Nerlens back too. They can they can bring yeah. Nerlens back in. Yeah, field. if they took. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that's what he'd like to be, Rich Paul guy, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so that would make <laughs> that would make you know some sense. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's I just I see Dallas. They're either going to eat a deal from somebody, or I think they're just going to completely. Sell yeah. It. No, I agree. I just so, that just yeah, popped up. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. That's uh, you know, some, something to watch. Um, they didn't say it before. Player most likely to be traded for me. If I had to guess, I'd say Wesley Matthews, just because I think he would have some value to teams. He's still a decent three and D guy, and his contract no longer looks nearly as you know onerous as it once did. So, what about you? Um, I feel like someone might take a flyer with the second rounder on. Ah, no, Nerlens isn't gonna. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that, no, nah, that's probably good. Yeah, the, no, I mean, he's a good. Player, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind giving up. Like, if I was a playoff team, like a low level second rounder, because Dallas can take what they can get at this point um, yeah. with Nerland. So I feel like that might be a thing to look out for. 
No, that's a, that's a good one. All right, let's move on. Denver Nuggets, they are uh, right in the mix for the playoffs towards the bottom um, portion of the Western Conference uh, playoff picture. So they're, they're going to be probably right at that that spot. They're just, they, they've had too many injuries with guys in and out as well as just inconsistent play. Um, they're really good one night uh, as they were last night as they upset the Golden State Warriors. And then the next night they you know can come out and just look completely flat and get beat by like a team like the Memphis Grizzlies or something like that. So so they're 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 an interesting mix. I would put them in the buyer camp just because I think it's really important to them to make the playoffs this year. And I think they're gonna they're almost gonna get a trade deadline acquisition anyway by virtue of Paul Millsap returning, which I think will be big for the Nuggets. And that's gonna be, you know, like I said, that's a pseudo trade deadline um, move. But then I think they would like to add, you know, maybe another front court guy or another stopper that they, they really need another defender um, on the wing that could really help them. So that's where I think they're potentially looking at. I, I don't have any targets for them. I know they'd like a, a, a veteran backup point guard as well. I think I think they might have been all over Jameer Nelson had he been waived by the Bulls. And that would have been an interesting move for them to bring him back after they, you know, basically caught him earlier this year. But that is that's just where I see Denver. What about you? Yeah, I, I would keep an eye on the trio of Fareed, uh, Wilson Chandler, and Darrell Arthur. Um, I think even though none of them are great contracts, I think if you can attach an asset like a Malik Beasley or Wancho or whoever they're lowest on in terms of their young talent. Um, I think a team that's looking to rebuild might, because Darrell Arthur is like a Dallas or an Atlanta or even a Chicago can eat that seven and a half million dollars next year that he has the player option for, um, in order to take a shot at um, a young player like like Beasley. Like I, I wouldn't mind something along the lines of a Justin Holiday to the Nuggets for Darrell Arthur and Malik Beasley type kind of framework because. Um, I think Justin Holiday could fit really well with what the Nuggets are doing, and I think Malik Beasley is definitely worth a shot for the Bulls. Um, but I don't know how low they are or how willing they are to move some of those young pieces, and if I were them, I wouldn't move a first-round pick. Uh, so it's it's really about the the balancing act in, in these trades where they, they don't want to move any of their quality rotation guys, um, and they want to get off some salary, so you got to give up an asset to bring something back. Yeah, I could see them moving a guy like Beasley, not because of they're ready to give up on him, but more because of where does he fit long term? Because you've got Harris and Murray and Barton, and they really like Tory Craig. Um, so I could see them moving him in a trade simply because, hey, let's like you said, if we can get off a deal and attach him, and then maybe get something like like if, what if they did something like they'd have to structure kind of kind of funky, but if they did something like Beasley and Darrell Arthur for Holiday and um, Jameer Nelson. Like to the Bulls, like that's a deal that I think yeah, makes a yeah, lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, 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 for sure. And they get the, yeah, they get the shooter in Holiday. They get they get Nelson as the backup point guard. They clear out that ridiculous log jam they have of guys who can play four and five. And now you've got uh, on the Bulls side, they get Beasley, who's you know that's the kind of guy they can take take a shot on and see, yeah, all right, what do we have here? This guy's a you know a wing scorer with good size, and see what it looks like. So that's. Those are the kind of deals I, I could see the Nuggets pursuing. I, I think they will, you know, be active and try to cash in um, this year because, like I mentioned before, it's really important for them to make the 
the playoffs. Because of that, my most likely to be traded nugget is Malik Beasley, just because I think he's the piece that probably would have the most interest around the NBA. Yeah, and I would just go on the flip side of what I was saying and say Darrell Arthur, um, but the, those two might be tied together in that sort of sense. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, and I think you can almost use Beasley and uh, Wancho Hernan Gomez kind of interchangeably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending on what team. Is the team looking for more of a wing or are they looking for more of a forward um, type of player? So, all right, so that's the Nuggets. Let's get continue on down our list here. We are now at the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons, they, they already made what's likely. I can't imagine they make a bigger move than the big Blake Griffin trade. But I would still put them cautiously in the buyer camp. I think they're, again, another team that really wants to make the playoffs. And I think if they can get a 2-3 a um, type player to, to come, because that's where the hole in the rotation is now. They're, they're starting Reggie Bullock and um, Stanley Johnson at the two and the three behind them. Luke Kennard's probably going to get the bulk of the minutes when he's uh, fully healthy. I know he's a little nicked up right now, but but that's definitely the hole in the rotation for the Pistons, so I think they'd like to fill that. Challenge is what they're going to fill it with because they're they're about out of tradable pieces um, on the roster. But So I would put them in the, the, the buyer camp, but not not expecting much. Yeah, I think they, they, they'll look for some assets, um, and I think they'll test the market with a guy like Anthony Tolliver, uh, who can fill in rotation minutes on a contending team maybe or a team looking for an expiring deal. And it, the interesting thing with the the Pistons, well, I know we talked about them a lot the last episode, but Stanley Johnson was one of the pieces that I thought they were going to be shopping a lot and looking for offers. But I never thought that they'd get, a, get rid of both Harris and Bradley. So I think they're really out of the market for moving wings because they they just need people to fill in the wing and Stanley Johnson's still a young guy who who still I I think he still has some potential so at this point I thought they could really bring back maybe something of value for him but now I think they they really locked into him and Kennard being their wings of the future yeah that's you know I think that's where where they want to go and they're actually not a bad combo no I I like it they offset each other yeah, they, they offset each other's weaknesses, right? Kennard's a you know scorer. He's a better playmaker than people think. And then Johnson, the the more rugged defender, the two a little bit bigger, can play you know up a position if they really need him to. So, yeah, and and I always like when teams keep some measure of youth unless they're really in a position like the Cavs or the Warriors or the you know uh, Raptors, like you. you those teams, if they, they trend a little older where they're pushing forward to try to get to the finals, that makes more sense. But but for the Pistons, I can't see a move that pushes them far enough up the ladder. So I don't I don't like when you cash in all your young guys just to just to make the playoffs. Like that that always leaves me feeling a little cold. So yeah, if, if I had to pick a most trade most likely to be traded guy, I'd probably still say Stanley Johnson. Because I think he's the guy who could give get them something that helps them the rest of this year but like i said i I don't necessarily expect the pistons to do much yeah and i already said i think it's tolliver but don't know if that'll happen yep can i can i keep yeah so so these next two teams i just wanted to kick them off it's the warriors and houston when i do my mock trade deadline preparation for the benchmark podcast these two teams i always kind of take a quick glance but it's always a quick click click on my on my cap sheets because I don't see the Warriors doing anything 
really. Yeah. And Houston's just rolling, and I doubt they want to mess things up. Um, but yeah, I'll, <laughs> no, I just to, to say totally that. fair. The one thing I will say, all right, so let's do the Warriors because I think we yeah. can get by them very quickly. I expect no trades from them, but I would not be surprised if they're active in the buyout market. I, I think that, you know, we could see them clear away one of their, their younger guy, like maybe a Damian Jones or something like that to open up a space or Kavon Looney, whose option they declined. They could trade one of those guys, basically give them away which would lessen the tax um, burden on them. And then, then they, they go and get you know somebody on the bio market. That's, that's what I think is going to happen for them. The Rockets, um, so, so real quick on the Warriors, I, I don't think they're – I think they're buyers but on the bio market. And then I think that means that Looney for me is their most likely yeah. to be traded player. Uh, moving over to the Rockets, they're, they're weird because Daryl Morey always does something – at the deadline like it's rare to see him just sit one out but they're in kind of that same boat but they do have an open roster spot so i i'm with you on i don't think they want to mess with the what they've got going and i don't it's not like they have like a really exciting young guy on the bench who would return much in a trade so i can't see them moving any of their core rotation guys and they don't have that young guy. So, again, I think they're going to be quiet in terms of trade. But I could, again, I think they'll get somebody on the buyout market as well. I think that's, you know, where we're headed with the Rockets. Oh, oh I think that's a guarantee that they'll um, pick someone else up just because, you know, an open roster spot is just a waste of potential production um, down the end of the season, especially when teams start to rest players. You want to have as deep a bench as possible. Um and if they do make a move, it's going to be around the edges um, with like a. I don't know if they'll give up on Zalchi or or uh, Chinanu Onuaku or anything, but that those are the only things that I think they'll look at because everyone else is too major of a piece. And maybe a Nene, but he's been playing really well for them off the bench, so I don't know if if they they'd be willing to yeah, give him up this I, year at least. I just yeah, I, don't, I can't see them moving Nene just because him and Capella are they're almost like the same guy now yeah <laughs> so they get like like 48 minutes out of it and that's not totally fair because i realize they're different players in some respect but in their offensive system they get 48 minutes of production out of those two you know basically every night when they want to run them out there um and if they don't get anybody big they're definitely going to bring back bobby brown uh to to be to fill in there and kind of give them a little bit of extra point guard depth and he's you know tight with james harden so that will be where that spot will go to if they don't get a better uh, player who's more likely to contribute. So, and now that that's why Khan's our producer. He keeps us moving along. That was called uh, closing the gap and <laughs> moving things forward in the show. So let's get to the Indiana Pacers right now. Khan, I'm going to go to you first. Buyers or sellers? Um, I think they're sneaky buyers, um, but I don't. But they they definitely don't want to take on long term contract because so with the Pacers it's really interesting because Bojan Bogdanovic, Darren Carlson, and Al Jefferson all have non guaranteed deals uh, for next year. Al Jefferson has four million guaranteed, Carlson with two million, and Bogdanovic with one point five. But um, with those contracts, the Pacers can definitely look to get up to about or 
to, to max cap room if they if they wanted to to be major players and free agents and with guys like Oladipo, Turner, Sabonis, I really see them as acting as big players or at least testing the market before picking up those guarantees um, to see what players can kind of are interested in coming. They also have about correct me if I'm wrong here about uh, five million five point three million in room to maybe take on a player um, from another team this year. And I, I definitely think they're buyers. They, they want to make a push with these young guys, get them some playoff experience, maybe win around if they can. Um, and yeah, they, they're in a they're in a solid position, I think. Yeah, very very little add. It's it's about five point eight million in room, so even a little bit more um, than what you had. So that's absolutely right. The the thing with the 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 uh, almost call them de facto expiring contracts too of that you mentioned for Bogdanovich, Collison, and Jefferson with that really light guarantee. Now is the time to move them because if you try this summer, um, what's going to happen is only their guaranteed amount, um, which is very small for each guy. It's like like a million or two million. That's all you can use to match salary. In a oh, trade okay, yeah, yeah. If they wait till this summer, so that's why I think it is. I don't know how likely it is because Collison and Bogdanovich are both starters and are both playing well for them. And then Jefferson, he, he's actually given them pretty good minutes um, in the last month or so while Turner and Sabonis, well, really more Turner's been out and Sabonis has started. So, so I don't know how likely it is, but we'll see. But now would be the time. And you use the term sneaky buyers. I would say cautious buyers, but it means the same thing. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think we're on the same page there. I think they'll try to do something. I don't think they're going to feel too pressured i think they feel pretty confident that they're going to make the playoffs this season they're they're sitting in pretty pretty good shape as of uh today they are in fifth place wow i didn't realize they'd moved up that far um in the west in the east rather and they're three and a half games ahead of the pistons um who are in ninth so they're they're in pretty good shape to be a playoff team this year so so definitely could see them do something i I don't i i don't expect it to be any kind of huge blockbuster i think you know they they already did their big block blockbuster and it worked out quite well for them but i i I think an upgrade or two maybe somebody can give them a little more consistent scoring off the bench because they've got playmaking and they've got the big spots covered. So if they could get somebody else and they're another team that I think they have that open roster spot. So they're another team. I think that that'll be active on the bio market. And one thing quick with Bogdanovich. Yeah. He's been, he's been starting and playing well, but I think they'll start, they might be looking at moves for him a bit more than they might've thought they would because of the return or pending return of Glenn Robinson. The third, if he can kind of get back to his form, he can definitely take that spot from Bogdanovich. Then it's a bit easier to bite the bullet on or not even bite the bullet they could actually get something of value for Bogdanovich and I think testing the market would do well for them yeah they're just they're just in a you know they're they're kind of in a weird spot where they they're a playoff team but they could could almost like we said with the Cavs they could sell to get better um you know with that so Pacers still still a team to watch and I don't know how many people expected that as we hit the trade deadline all right let's get into the LA Clippers now as we jump back to the Western uh, Conference the Clippers for me I I put them in the either category I think they are I I don't think they're in as much it looked a lot of people felt like they traded Blake so get ready DeAndre Jordan Lou Williams are out the door next I think they will move those guys if they can find the right trade, but I don't think they're anxious to move them. They're not going to trade them just to trade them because the Clippers, even before the trade, they had been playing pretty well, and they're only a game behind the Nuggets in the West now for um, 
the eighth seed and they're only a game and a half behind the pelicans two and a half behind the trailblazers and actually they're only three games behind the thunder for fifth place so so they're squarely in the mix in the west so i think i i would not surprise me if they just play it out with the guys that they have it also won't surprise me if they can find the right trades trade those guys and then they 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 drop back but they they look pretty good they look, i don't know if you caught the game yesterday i know they played the bulls and they they looked pretty good in that game to me i, I like the gallinari and harris combo I, I think it gives them a lot of interesting you know offensive looks around deandre jordan and then that bradley teodosic backcourt is pretty good and and Patrick Beverly continues to insist if if the team is close, he'll be back by the end of the season. If he comes back, Beverly and Bradley, that's a no one's gonna want to go against those yeah. two guys. Um that's defensively, because it's you know two of the bigger pains in the neck. It that's why, you know, I kind of hope they get the eight seed and then they play the Warriors and Beverly's back. Because I just want to see Beverly and Bradley, you know, hound uh Steph and Clay around the court. I I, I think you know, I'd still the Warriors would beat them, but I think it could be a little more interesting than people think. Um, so for that, I'd say either, but player most likely to be traded, I would say, is likely Lou Williams because I think he would return a nice package if they want to move off him, followed closely by DeAndre Jordan. So we'll see where that goes. What about you? Um, I think I think they're sellers. Whether or not they actually pull the trigger um, is, uh, again, I, like you said, depending on the offers, but they're definitely looking to, to move or – they're definitely in the market for move, uh, selling DeAndre and, and Lou because, I mean, with the direction they're going, with the Blake trade, they were able to get two quality starters back and a first-rounder, so that was big for them. I think that gives them leeway to maybe, okay, now we don't necessarily have to trade DeAndre. Maybe we can keep Lou Williams and then compete because of the return they got for Blake. Um, but I think if they could just get a nut, like, because they, they have their own first-rounder, they have the Detroit first-rounder, and I mean, three first rounders, you can't really do a rebuild better than that. Um, so I think that's one motivation that they, they have. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, you're, it, it's, it's, it's daring us, Bob. That's a good spot to be in if you're a borderline playoff team because they really have control over where they want to go going forward all right the la lakers their their los angeles brethren um although people don't like them called that if you're a laker fan because they look down on the clippers um i would say the lakers are sellers um to to me i think if they could find anything that returns them a decent asset out of brooke lopez julius randall jordan clarkson Corey brewer i i think anybody but the guys they've drafted in the last couple of drafts is on the table um they 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 would, you know, happily move any one of those guys for basically anything they can get back that's that's decent. And and of course it has to mean no long term money. If I have to pick a guy who's most likely to be traded, I would say it's Julius Randle. Because I think they could at this point maybe get a late first for him uh, or something maybe like a lottery protected first or something like that from a playoff team uh, because he's played pretty well. I think he could give give a bunch of playoff teams a, a jolt as a big man off the bench yeah and with the lakers i mean it's it's all been talked about a bunch by everyone um the randall clarkson uh and what they're gonna do with those guys and then dang being virtually untradeable um it's it's just sometimes i think like i, I kind of like this core and i know the lakers rob Pelinka and magic johnson came in to be competitors right away 
But I mean, it's it wouldn't be the end of the world if they kind of waited for all their players to reach their primes. They're gonna probably have another solid. They if that was the course, they would probably have another solid pick next year. And Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma. I mean, I I like Clarkson. Randall's been balling lately. Um, it's not absurd. And Josh Hart is nice. It's not absurd to me that they could be a good team maybe three to four years down the line with everyone on this or all the young pieces on this roster i know that's not what laker fans want to hear and i know that's probably not the goal i just don't think that rushing and making rash decisions just on the potential of free agent signing would be smart and i think that's why it's been taking so long to make these moves even though they've been rumored for so long yeah, you know what's funny with the Lakers? I see them almost like the Timberwolves, where they, I don't think they have the quite the talent the Wolves had have. Because I mean, Towns is a you know he's a ridiculously good player, and then Wiggins, people beat up on him now because that's the fashionable thing to do, but he's still good. Um, I think they're they're like a maybe a notch below, but I think what you what could be the path where I think is you're going is rather than try to cash all this in and go get a one major free agent this summer, which I mean, that's a fine path too. I could see them growing this over the next couple of years, then adding those, those pieces over the next couple of seasons. Now all of a sudden you're, you're pushed in and that probably more coincides with as the warriors start to decline and drop off. And now you could be, you know, in a position to look like a really nice team there. They, yeah, they, they made all that talk of, you know, we're going to be competitive. We're going to go for it this year. Well, I mean, that's nice, but, you know, I mean, who are you going to go for it with? You know, and, I, and I've had Laker fans hit me up on Twitter and say, we're, we're still in this. We're not out of the playoff picture. Well, as of this morning, you're seven games behind the Nuggets. So, sorry, you're out of the playoff picture. Well, you're not making the playoffs this year. Well, also, I mean, you, you mentioned the Warriors, but just look at the Warriors. Like Curry, Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green. All yep. these guys, yeah. they drafted, they groomed them, they got better slowly but surely, and now they're a dynasty that was able to reel in a, a major free agent because of the cap. But that was all because they trusted and invested in their young talent. And the Lakers, even the pieces that are trying to be moved, like Clarkson and Randall have been playing really well lately, and I, I feel like writing them off is emotionally taxing for them, mentally taxing for them. And if you just committed to them... I think they would even they would play even better, uh, but it's just it's just tough because of the star power the Lakers have, or in terms of just outside of basketball and and just all the ancillary things that come with it. But if they were in a small market and had this team, it it would it would be like I would be really pumped for the, to have this team. But everyone's so quick to want to compete right away um, that it that it skews things a bit. Yeah, and last thing on the Lakers is with Jordan Clarkson. Yes, he's been playing really well, and there were some reports that the Lakers believe they can get a first-round pick for him versus having to give one up uh, to dump him. That that may be true, but Woj reported if you watch the, I believe it was the Celtics-Warriors game, he jumped on air with them uh, in, in game, and one of the things he said about Clarkson is they're having trouble finding someone to take on the contract. It's never a bad place to be in the same camp as Woj, and that's exactly what I've heard. Is teams are just, you know, he's owed twenty six million over the next two seasons after this year, and that's that's tough for a backup combo guard. And teams aren't entirely sure is he a good stats bad team guy or is he, you know, a really you know good backup combo guard. And you know when you look at it, Lou Williams is makes less than that 
you know, makes half of what Clarkson makes this year is a better player. And they, the Clippers aren't even entirely sure what they can get for him. Tyreek Evans, better player than Clarkson. Again, expiring contract, but team, the Grizzlies aren't sure what they can get. So, so it's really, you know, it's one of those where it's, it's hard because you don't know exactly what the market is or what could happen with Clarkson. So I I just want to, I just want to, Oh, go ahead. Oh no, sorry. I just wanted to say real quick with the Clarkson being worth, or making 11 and a half, 12 and a half, like 26 million over the next two years. In this cap, like if you just look mathematically, a quality backup, like six man type guy that can spot start for you, like Clarkson is, that's what his value should be in terms of just the math of things. But because of all these bad contracts that exist all over the league from the summer of 2016, these guys who are making what they should be making in terms of their role and their the percentage of money that should be spent on what they they provide it's it looks like bad money because other teams need to move this off so in 2 to 3 years when like you don't see a lot of awful contracts being signed or i don't think you're going to be seeing that as much um, when two to three years after these contracts kind of expire, I think you're going to start to see the Clarkson of that time making 12 to $13 million because the cap is just that high. It needs to be that way. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's like anything in life, timing is everything. Yeah. And he was timed up to get paid when he got paid. So it is, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard, you know, so we'll ultimately see where that one goes with uh, Jordan Clarkson and the Lakers. So I mentioned them just a second ago, so we're going to keep moving. We're moving on to the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, they're clearly sellers. They will move just about anything off this roster that's probably named not Mark Gasol or Mike Conley. They seem to still want to hang on to those guys. But I even think if the right deal came for either one of them, they'd move them. player most likely to be traded is, is Tyreek Evans. They've already shut him down, so they are fully anticipating trading Tyreek Evans, and it makes sense. He's been arguably their best player this season. He's had a, you know, a lot of people have been like, how good is Tyreek Evans? Well, that tells me people haven't been watching the Grizzlies, and they, they haven't even looked at his stat line, because even if you just look at his stat line, you're probably like, whoa, he's actually better than I thought. Um, Followed closely behind Evans is James Ennis. He's another guy who's a, a wing scorer, shooter. Um decent defender i think he's a guy that teams would have some some interest in and the grizzlies they they desperately need to add youth to this team the only player who's a who you can really qualify as young that has a lot of upside is dylan brooks maybe wayne selden i like selden probably more than just about anybody who's not a grizzlies fan but beyond that the rest of their guys are just kind of guys out there so it's they they need to add picks, youth, clear clear room, whatever they can do to to get this rebuild moving forward. Otherwise, they're going to completely throw away the end of Gasol and Conley's career. And at that point, if you're going to do that, you might as well trade them and really blow this thing up. Yeah, and I mean we'll we'll get to most likely, but I think Tyreek Evans is already like I feel like they have several teams on the line every day yeah. trying to just pick out the right move. Um, that's it they're they're in the point with Evans where it's there's deals there they just need to pick which one they want or keep playing teams against each other until they get the one they exactly want. and that's what they should be doing they should be <laughs> making teams outbid the other until <laughs> yep. until everyone but one drops out or that might not work because if everyone drops out then the team with the deal might be like okay well now there's no competitors but anyway 
they yeah Tyreek Evans is gonna move I would be moving James Ennis to see if I can get I mean even second rounders at this point look I mean Mark they have the best one of the best second round picks of all time and and Marcus all um so yeah they just need to be stockpiling assets I feel like most likely to be traded is everyone (laughs) (laughs) yeah well Tyreek Evans and James Ennis for sure yeah, those are the two guys for sure. But you're not exactly wrong when you say everyone, because you know there's nothing would be surprising if this team started. You know, even if they moved Gasol or Conley, I'd be a little like, huh, all right, well they went for it, but it's not. A, I mean, I just wrote it for Real GM a couple weeks ago that it's time to do that. So, all right, let's move on. Miami Heat. I have the Heat in the neither category um, more just because I don't they, they don't have the pieces to trade that they're willing to trade as well as the other guys i know there's been a lot of buzz around hassan whiteside recently i just i personally don't see it i i'm not sure there's the market for him that's going to make him returnable if you made me pick a guy who's the most tradable i guess i would say or most likely to be traded i would probably say justice winslow just because i think he's got the best market of anybody on their roster but i really don't expect the heat to do anything uh, at the trade deadline. Yeah, the Heat are really perplexing because, I mean, you, we go to those, like, expiring deals or low-level expiring deals to say most likely to be traded, but they have Udonis Haslam, who they're not going to trade because of legacy, and then Wayne Ellington, who they desperately need right now because he's been playing so well for them, uh, stretching the floor and being a knockdown shooter. Um, and everyone else, I mean... Okara White is an intriguing uh, candidate to move, but I don't think they want to move him. I think they're they're kind of high on him. Uh, and yeah, Andy's hurt. So and, oh, there yeah, there you, you know, go. Um, yeah. Andy Andy's hurt. So it's yeah, those long term deals, man. It's it's hard to move four years of a contract uh, with James Johnson and Kelly Olynyk. Um, and I mean, they they've been playing well, so I don't know if, how much they want to disrupt uh, what they got going on here. Yeah, and I think if a trade comes for Whiteside, I think that's more of a summer or like a draft yeah. or in the next offseason trade than it is a trade deadline. Those big salary guys, it's just it's so hard for teams in season to to cobble it together because it generally ends up meaning you're trading them four or five guys and they've got to release players. It just it becomes very messy. Those deals are much easier to be made in the summer. So all right, in the interest of time, let's keep it moving. Let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. I have the Bucks in the neither category as well. I think they've already done what they were gonna do. They they got Eric Bledsoe earlier this year. I also believe that the Bucks, they in a sense got their trade deadline acquisition with Jabari Parker when they got him back on the floor the other night. I don't know if you saw any of that con or saw the highlights, but I thought he looked great. I think he looked skinny. He looked explosive. He, 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 his wind isn't where it needs to be. He's going to have to get that up. Um, and a lot of people are like, but he's been practicing and it's completely different than playing in a game, but I thought he looked great. Um, they're eventually going to get Malcolm Brogdon went down. So he's probably out for most of the rest of the regular season. Hopefully he'll get back by the time the season's wrapping up and playing. And then eventually it sounds like they'll get Mirza Toledovich back. We hope at least, um, he'll come back on the floor, but I think the bucks are just about done. I just, I don't see any thing if you're if for most traded the guy most likely to be traded i guess i'd go with rashad vaughn but that would almost be more of a just a we're giving up on this guy and moving him i just don't see any other big deals coming from milwaukee yeah and uh the the return from injury market whatever teams are in there that's always the best way to add talent sometimes um because it's just i mean especially a guy like jabari who can be your second best scorer on any given night 
um, is a big upgrade for them. Uh, we'll see if their players in the buyout market. I think they're perpetually trying to gauge the market for Delavadova and his contract, but I don't. They're not in the business of giving away assets. I don't think so. That that will be kind of tough. So yeah, I, I they'll they'll stand pat and don't have much to add with the Bucks. Yeah, you know with Brogdon out, you're right on the bio market. If a if a veteran point guard shakes free, I could see them going after somebody just to give them a little something extra behind Bledsoe, Delavadova, and really Sean Kilpatrick's their other guy. But but they're also perfectly comfortable playing Xavier Munford um, when they need to. He's the, one of their two way guys. So yeah, I, I don't see much coming out of Milwaukee. All right, Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm in the same boat with them as well. I maybe buyout guy. Um, maybe I just I don't see them you know doing really anything else um, with their roster. It's you know one we know Tibbs isn't there's no minutes because he's gonna play the starters you know 40 minutes a night and then the bench guys maybe they'd like to upgrade over you know Tyus Jones or something like that. But this team seems to be what it is. Player most likely to be traded. It's Shibaz Muhammad. It just came out he wants a trade. He's not playing for them at all anyway really weird with him it almost harkens back i know you don't remember this because you were probably about five years old but uh devin george um once upon a time was with the lakers and he had he was on a minimum deal but had a no trade con clause because he was uh a bird free agent at the end of it and he blocked a trade from the lakers and lakers fans went absolute bananas because he did so shabazz muhammad has a no trade clause because he is a bird free agent at the end of this year despite his minimum deal and a player option next season so it's a very odd situation so he wants traded but he can very much pick his spot i could see them just ultimately saying forget it we're just gonna outright wave this guy and be done with it and move on and then maybe they they get someone in the bio but as far as trade nothing coming for the wolves yeah and i really don't think they're willing to move that first round pick because of nope. the money they have locked up so they want to add that young controllable talent um but yeah yep all right all right we're, we're now we're cranking <laughs> all right new orleans pelicans i i think there's still a buyer but i think probably more on the bio bio market now after making the miritich trade they still they've they they cleared room under the hard cap. They're now, uh, let me look it up. They are about two million or so under the hard cap, um, which is is good. That gives them enough wiggle room to to do what they want to do. Can add a couple guys on prorated contracts if they get them in bio, or if there is a small trade to be made. They definitely still need. They really need another big. They really wanted Greg Monroe, um, but ultimately the chance, I think, to be on a more competitive situation with the Celtics, one out for Monroe over the uh, minutes and playing at home. So I would say they look for another big still. They, they just recently brought in Mecca Okafor, which we should touch on real quick because how cool is it that, that, that he made it back to the NBA? You know, I think that's so great for him. And maybe he gives them. You know what they need because they still definitely need another more of a true center on the roster. They they just don't have one now at all because Davis doesn't want to be that guy. So they they need some or healthy I should say um, center on the roster. So that's where they're looking. Um, player most likely to be trade. I I don't know. I have none. <laughs> there just isn't one um, that I can see uh, most likely to be dealt at this point. Yeah, and they already so they already gave away that first round pick. Um, they have that second round pick to maybe attach, but I don't think that's enough to move Ajinsa's contract. So I think they'll probably wait till next year when he's an expiring deal to, to get off Ajinsa. 
Um, and I mean, Solomon Hill, that's too much money for a team to want to take on. And I mean, they, they sadly kind of need him to, to, to play on the wing for them. Um, and yeah, that they're probably made their move and they're not going to be looking to do much else. Yeah, I see. Yeah, they're, they, they are what they are at this point, right? So it's, um, you know, for, again, maybe a guy in buyout. That seems to be where where we might see the Pelicans go. All right, let's move on to the New York Knicks. Now, the Knicks are interesting. They're bad, and they probably should be sellers, but the Knicks are always one of those teams that they'll, they they perpetually talk themselves into uh, being able to make a run at it. They stand today. They are three and a half games out of the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. They are in 10th place. So three and a half games behind the Philadelphia 76ers. That's that's a gap. I just, I can't see the Knicks making up. Um, but, you know, for me, they should be sellers because they could probably get something small for guys like Michael Beasley, Kyle O'Quinn, maybe even Doug McDermott. If they wanted to move Courtney Lee, they could probably get a small asset back. Um, there's a lot of teams love Willie Hernan Gomez, and so far the Knicks have said no to every trade there. Uh, they they, they want to trade Joe Kim Noah, and as I said on Twitter when that report came out, yeah, good luck. Um, that's, that's wishful thinking at best. So that's not going to happen. So, you know, right now it is, uh, it's, I think the Knicks probably, they're probably just going to sit it out would be my guess. Maybe they'll find a deal to move Kyle Quinn and then Doug McDermott's a guy I would be looking to trade for them if he's not part of your future and you're not going to sign him. So I would say the most likely guy to be traded is Kyle Quinn, but I would also look for a trade for Doug McDermott. Yeah. And they... The, the crazy thing is about Noah, like, even a first, like, even their own unprotected first rounder, I don't think that's enough for a team to take him on at this point because the flexibility you're giving up and taking him, I, I think, outweighs the flexibility and maybe potential star power that the first rounder might give you. And the Knicks aren't going to move to first round. Like, they're not going to move Frank Nick, Nick, uh, Tilakina and their first rounder. Um, they'd rather just eat, bite the bullet with with Noah's contract. Um, I think Courtney Lee is is an interesting uh, pers- piece to look at in terms of uh, trade most likely to be traded because I think he can definitely provide value. I don't know how much you're getting back, but if you can take back a slightly worse contract, he's a productive player. Maybe you can squeeze out a late. Uh, I don't know if you're getting a late first rounder, but maybe a young talent um, to to add on this team. Yeah, he's a guy who, yeah, maybe you swapped some Like the Nuggets, like, like the so Nuggets, like the, Darrell yeah. Arthur and, or yeah. whatever. Yep, yep. Yeah, that that's the kind of move I think you're looking at if they want a more guy. Where he, you know, it's funny where he would fit probably almost perfectly is the team we're going to next is the Oklahoma City Thunder because he would give them that. The only challenge is I don't know what the Thunder have to match salary in a trade because they're they're pretty tight up against it. But he would fit really perfectly there, and because of that reason, I have the Thunder in the buyer category. I, again, they're another. T- I think if Tony Allen gets waived, I think they're going to be all over him get him, bring him back to Oklahoma where he went to college and uh, get him um, back on, on a roster. And he essentially becomes the Andre Robertson for them, that that wing defender who you just can ignore on the offensive side completely. Except Allen might be able to make some plays you know, as a cutter, um, which Robertson couldn't even really do on that end. So I think, think that's what you're looking at for the Thunder. As far as if they make a move, player most likely to be traded, probably Josh, Josh um, Houston. He's just not a... You know, they declined his option. Um, he's not 
I know he's been playing for them, but he's not a big part of what they're trying to do. So he's the guy I could see them moving on from you. Yeah, any of those minimum expiring deals in terms of most likely to be moved because they don't want to mess up what they have. And I don't know if they'll... I was thinking of the Courtney Lee thing you brought up. Uh, Roberson and Kyle Singler. Uh, maybe that that's the sort of deal because I think Roberson's value is higher than Courtney Lee even though he's injured. But I don't know if they're going to be moving uh, Roberson. Uh, I don't know if they do that. And obviously you got to pay attention to what Paul George is thinking and how he's feeling. All signs point to yeah. him loving loving it there right now, but that uh, that all changes when the free agent doors open. So uh, we'll we'll see what they do. Or or they go on like a four game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, the Robertson one for Lee would be interesting. It did for no other reason for the Knicks side of things. It'd be kind of cool to see them put out a lineup next season of Cantor, Porzingis, Robertson, Hardaway, and then probably Nilakina, hopefully ready to step forward. That's a good mix of offense and defense for the Knicks because Nilakina is a good defender. Robertson obviously is one of the best defenders in the NBA. Um, they could really do do some things there. And they've got more than enough offense to cover with Porzingis, Hardaway, and Cantor. So that could, could be a fun mix. I don't see it just because I don't know that the Knicks want to take on um, all the years there money-wise. I think they'd rather just stick with Lee. I mean, they have, that they have be, Lee for the, yeah. that many years anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it could could be. It, it's one that you know, might make a little bit of sense uh, for both sides. So, all right, ready to move on? All right, let's keep it going. We're going to the Orlando Magic next. The Magic are absolutely 100% sellers, and uh, there is no one on this roster that is safe. Yes, that includes Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton, and probably the closest thing to safe is Jonathan Isaac. I don't think they would move him in a trade. Next behind him would be Jonathan Simmons, who has played pretty well for the Magic on what is a very nice value contract, but every single other player I could see moved, and I could even see them moving Simmons if they they had to. Challenge is, other than Aaron Gordon, I don't know what has much value on this Magic roster. Uh, they're not going to get much of anything for um, guys like Evan Fournier, who's a good player, but just, you know, he's owed a lot of money um, for what he is. Bismack Biombo, that's not going to happen. Their minimum guys are guys that they're just replacement level players. Uh, Terrence Ross and Nikola Vucevic, they're both hurt. So, you know, unlikely you'd see either one of them. Mood Vuce is, is coming back soon. And, you know, maybe they could find something for him, but he's just, you know, he's he's one of those guys, we talked about it earlier, those kind of dinosaur-type bigs. Um, he's got a little more range than that. Um, he can hit the three-pointer on occasion, but that's, that's tough to see. So because of all of that, the player most likely to be traded on this roster to me is Mario Hazonia, who I think has rehabbed his value to some extent and could maybe return the Magic a small asset um, back, but... You know, nothing would surprise me with the Magic. It's a this, this front office, other than Isaac and Wesley Owundu, who they drafted, and then signing Simmons and then a couple lesser-known guy, you know, lesser rotation players. They're not attached to any of these guys because they didn't bring them in, they didn't sign them, they didn't draft them. So anything could happen with Orlando. Yeah, I just quickly want to say, before the season, I had Detroit and the Magic as, like, teams that are in like maybe one of the worst situations in the league the pistons kind of have proved me wrong um but and then they they got that like griffin trade and all that uh but the magic i mean it's tough to see 
how they recuperate. At least they don't have too many. They they don't have too much salary on the books after the twenty eighteen after next season. They do have Biombo and Evan Fournier, but that's not too crippling, um, because especially because seventeen million of expiring could be actually valuable to someone, and they can maybe move that around that year. But, I mean, this year and next year, it, it's going to be tough for them. And Jonathan Simmons, you said he has the most value. But he also, he also like, if you give a him up for, for some pieces, then you really you really don't have anything else. I think I would keep Isaac and Simmons and try to, if I'm going to be competitive, those are two guys that can definitely, Simmons, Gordon, and, and uh, Isaac, actually. They, they, they can keep you competitive in a couple years, too, so... I think it's just waited out until some of these contracts go away and get what you can, um, but it's it's not going to be pretty these next couple years, this year and next year. I don't think they're going to do much at the deadline. I think they'll be extremely active this yeah, summer. Yeah, yeah. I think is when you're going to see them start moving pieces that, that this current front office didn't bring in. I think this year they got off to that great start, which I think got people all excited but I really believe they are there. This whole season was about evaluation about who moves this thing forward with this team and who doesn't. So that's where, you know, we are with the, the magic. All right. Next up, Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers are buyers for me and they're buyers of not just bad contracts and <laughs> taking on money. Uh, the Sixers, I, I, they want to get another shooter in there. They're, 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 Really, only shooters on the roster are J.J. Redick, Robert Covington, and Jared Bayless. And Bayless is so up and down, and Redick's had injuries. Covington's been, you know, streaky, I guess is the best way to put it. So they want to get another wing shooter, somebody who could score. They would love to get a guy like Tyreek Evans if they can. They're they're one of those teams that's it's, the reported asking price for Evans is a first-round pick, and it sounds like everybody's playing chicken with that right now um that's going after it so and we know philadelphia sam hinkey's gone but they still value first round picks as much as anybody unfortunately uh timothy luau cabarro got hurt recently so he's out Furkan korkma is out for the rest of the year so those are two guys that could have provided some of that wing depth and then the other guy markel fultz but who knows i'm done guessing what might happen with him and when we might see him on an nba court so Really, at this point for Philadelphia, that's where they're looking. But that's huge, just that they're even in that position, you know, because we haven't seen this out of them in several years now. So this is, you know, great that they're ready where they're at in the process, if you will, to, you know, kind of live up to what they they want, that they are moving on um, towards being buyers. As far as player most likely to be traded, I would guess maybe a guy like Justin Anderson. He's a low salary guy. Maybe Rashawn Holmes. At this point, they could move him as well if they could get something. If they could do a swap of a home to get that wing shooter score, that you know could be something that they do. I, yeah, I would. I just want to add Bayless would probably be my most likely to be moved because I think um, if if they can give some of those second rounders that they've stockpiled, or maybe get something back and uh, give a first, get a nice asset back and a first with Bayless. Um, I think they're firmly in the race for Tyreek Evans, um, and we'll we'll see what happens with them. But yeah, Bayless would be my pick there. Well, and I think they own like every Knicks yeah. rounder from now to the end of time. It feels like um, going forward. So it's you know it's just kind of funny. Yeah, there's one until 
through 2021, there's only one that they don't actually own. And I, and that without getting too deep into it, I think they may have owned it and then flipped it, uh, somewhere else. Let's <laughs> say, uh, yeah, that's, um, you know, kind of, kind of a mess there. So yeah, the only problem with Bayless is the 8.5 million he's owed next year. That's, that's the only thing. I don't know how many teams even want that. And, you know, he's actually given them some okay minutes at times. So it's, uh, you know, I think it takes people a little while to adjust the fact that he's not a, um, he's not a, he's point guard size, but he's by no means a point guard. He is, you know, he's very much a shooting guard and, and maybe if he can stay healthy, he could be that wing shooter without them having to do anything else. So so we'll see. All right, Phoenix Suns, they are clearly sellers. Um, they, they they tried and could not find a trade for Greg Monroe, so they ultimately worked a buyout with Monroe. But they would gladly move on from any one of their veterans if they can get the right package. Tyson Chandler, Jared Dudley, uh, those are the, the big names out there. No one's going to trade for Brandon Knight um, until he even comes close to proving he's back on the court they also are sitting on a little under nine million about 8.7 million in cap space so they could eat a bad contract if they really wanted to from a team but the suns are they're 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 sellers but i don't i just don't know if anybody's going to give up anything for chandler if anyone's going to give up anything for dudley so i think the sun's probably more likely at this point to just sit things out yeah, and it's it's one thing to keep an eye on is how the value of all their young guys has just steadily declined, it seems like, with Bender and Chris. And, I mean, Josh Jackson, just a rookie, and I, I still think that uh, even though he hasn't been playing well this year, I still believe in his potential. Um, so it's it's crazy how the, the value of these young guys just declined for uh, the, the Suns. Um, and most likely to be traded, oh, man, Oh, I I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, make me pick. I, I'll pick Tyson Chandler. I guess because maybe some. I'll just say Len to keep like, our expiring you know, theme going. Sure. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of forgot about him because he's hurt yeah. now, and I, I. I don't know. I think Alex Len is awful. I get Celtics fans were like, we should get him with the the disabled player exception. I'm like, why? Because he's seven feet tall. He's seven feet tall of garbage he's oh, okay you're you're a lot i mean i'm not high on him but i don't think he's worthless anyway uh, I think he's <laughs> okay i think he's at, we can discuss that later um on another maybe when we get into our off season yeah yeah maybe, for sure we can talk about what you know garbage he is but all right uh portland trailblazers we'll move on to them trailblazers i have i have them kind of in the either category I, but I think if they're going to buy, they're going to have to move money to do it. They would love to get out from under the luxury tax if they could. So if they could find you know, a trade where they move a Maurice Harkless or, or Myers Leonard but bring in somebody else, um, that, they'd be all over that to try and do that. They, uh, they've actually they've really settled into one of the more consistent regular starting lineups when everybody is healthy with Nurkic, Aminu, Turner, McCollum, and Lillard. That's their starting five on a regular basis. And then their bench rotation has become pretty consistent too. It's it's uh, Zach Collins, Ed Davis, Pat Connaughton, and Shabazz Napier. So those are their guys. They're, that's the group that they're running with. If they could get somebody in there, another maybe wing, an upgrade over Connaughton, they'd do it. But it's going to have to involve them moving out some money. If you 
to pick guy who most likely to be traded, I would say it's probably someone like Noah Vonley, just because he's low salary and they could probably move him and maybe get somebody who fits the roster a little better. But that's that's about it for Portland. I just I don't I don't see them doing very much just because their their goals are probably a little bit different than than what most people expect. Well, right now they're two point nine, almost three million over the tax, and I really think that they're gonna wanna get under that this year if possible so ed davis is someone to look at because um i don't think correct me if i'm wrong but only getting off von Lee's contract doesn't does that would would that get them under or does yeah, it that, do no, they count so. do they count the money he's made so far up to now um yeah it's always a little tricky the way that that works it would get them close okay. Let me put okay. it there but yeah, it's not going to. But get yeah, Ed Davis there. would definitely do that, and he's movable, yeah, so yeah. I would be looking at yeah. that for them. Yeah, it could be the only reason why I don't think Davis gets moved is they they obviously they want to be a playoff team and they're right in position to be one, and he's their best backup big by you know unfortunately for Portland by about a mile. Um, just you know, Collins has done some things, and I'm I'm high on Zach Collins. I think he's still going to be a very good player, but I don't think he's ready to carry that and then you're talking about Von or Leonard stepping in to be their guys and I'm not I'm not big on either one of them so yeah maybe a combo uh, of Von Lee and Napier but then you need to take something back so we'll see yeah 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 I I I think they're probably roughly done um I just I don't see much coming from them all right Sacramento Kings these guys are this one's easy we know that they're sellers um, they are looking to move move off their veterans, uh, George Hill. So I want to spend George Hill. They'd probably trade Zach Randolph, Zach, uh, Vince Carter, if they could. Those are those are the guys. If they they could find a deal for them, they would move them, open up all the playing time for the young kids. Uh, there, they'd also you know as far as I you know my understanding is around the league, they'd move Costa Kufos. For whatever reason, they seem not to like Scalabissier, who. I still like and think can play and he's cost controlled. So I don't know why, um, but there's obviously something going on there. So I, they're sellers. And now, so, so what I want to spend a little bit of time on is people have said them, why did they even sign these guys? I think the idea for the Kings was uh, we can't just go in from day one with all these young kids and get our heads beat in every single night because you're going to kill these kids. You're going to crush their confidence. They're just going to be ruined. So the goal was let's bring in some vets, show them how to prepare, how to play, how to be professionals, be be a little more competitive than we might have been otherwise. They still lost games, but they've been in plenty of games. Show these kids what to do. Then as the year goes along, we'll transition away from, from the vets. Now, did you have to give these guys two and three year contracts to do that? <laughs> That's the questionable part. But that's where we're at, and now they're. I think things are more or less progressing according to plan with Sacramento. If I had to pick most tradable, probably George Hill, just because I think he's there. But again, he's a guy. I think I could see him getting more moved in the summer, where he's almost a de facto expiring contract because then his his last year is very lightly guaranteed. It's only like a million or two, if I remember right, um, on that final um, year of that contract. So. Yeah, it's only one million of the eighteen million he's owed, so that that's probably more likely where you see that. What about you? Um, well, I mean, not much to add. I think the young guys, it's you can't really move off them because you you want to develop them. I still don't think they'll move off Scal, even if they are low on him. Um, Garrett Temple could definitely help a team out, so I think looking at what he can bring in would would be worth it for them because 
he's probably not in their long-term plans. I mean, he's already 31, about to be 32. I didn't realize he was that old. Uh, um, so, yeah, I think that's the only person that I also wanted to mention is, is Garrett Temple. I think he could probably bring in the most after Hill, maybe, but Hill's on that contract, so... Yeah, it's probably closer to even yeah. because once you factor in the contract. Yeah. Yep. All right, San Antonio Spurs. These guys are neither. The reason why they're neither is they don't make trades at the trade deadline. Uh, I believe last time I looked it up, they've only made two or maybe three under Greg Popovich the entire time he's been there. So I don't expect them to do anything. Where I do expect to see them be active is on the buyout market because if some someone good shakes loose, they'll – They'll go after him and offer him the chance, especially if the guy's a wing player. Um, they could maybe be somebody for Tony Allen. I don't fully expect it, but they could be somebody in the mix there. Uh, they could also use a little more size on their second unit because it's it's really, at this point, Davis Bertans and then occasionally Joffrey Laverne. And then everybody else is between like six feet and six foot five. They're also, they'll hope to get Rudy Gay and Kawhi Leonard back at some point, probably in that order, the way things are kind of looking right now. But I don't expect the Spurs to do anything unless it's on the bio market. Yeah, and I really wanted them to dangle their first around for a guy like Stanley Johnson or maybe a Justice Winslow. Just wings on other teams, defensive wings that like maybe they can train to shoot um, with uh Chris England, no Chip England. They're they're shooting, yeah. They're their coach there. So, um, and but now I mean I don't see Stanley being moved. And Spurs never give away their first rounders anyway, so that doesn't seem likely. Um, and most likely to be moved, I would say Joffrey Laverne maybe. But that player option is something teams might not want to pick up. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't even have. Them. Yeah, yeah, Hopefully I don't. I don't think they'll they'll be very active, like most years. And to touch on what you said with the first, there is a better chance that I wake up a hundred pounds lighter <laughs> than the, the Spurs trade a first round pick. Yeah, <laughs> that's that is not yeah. going to happen. <laughs> All right, Toronto Raptors. As we jump back across the country to the East Coast, the Raptors. They are they're they're. Interesting. They probably have everything they need right now. I could see maybe a small move to get to get something. Um, I think they're probably again another team that would rather work the buyout market as they are. If I remember, yeah, they're sitting on an open roster spot, so they they probably more likely to do that than they are to make a big trade. Um, they they are also hovering right around the, the luxury tax line. They're they're just below it um, by about a million dollars. So it's it's not likely we're going to see much for them. And they've got one of the deeper rotations as their young guys have really stepped forward this year. They're starting five. We, we all know about. And then uh, OG Ananobi stepped in right there. Then, but off the bench, it's been C.J. Miles as the vet, and then the kids, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Jakob Pertl, De- DeLon Wright, they've all stepped up to the point where Norman Powell, who I still think is a really good player, has been mostly out of the rotation uh, recently. So, you know, and then if you even get a guy like Bebe Noguera, who's on the end. If if I got to pick a guy most likely to be moved, it would be Noguera, just because I think think a team might look at him and say wow there's a big who could help us and he's cheap and we'd have his restricted rights at the end of the year so that that's a guy you know maybe they could move and trade but i don't think the raptors are going to do very much yeah the raptors they they're in this weird situation where they have those four big contracts and lowry DeRozan, Ibaka, and valentunas then it it goes from the 15 and a half that valentunas is owed to eight million that cj miles is owed 
And so the big contracts, they can't really move and get something that's worth it to help them this year because they're, I mean, especially with their two stars, they're not going to move. But like Valanchunas, they would have to attach an asset. And all their other guys are playing too well and are on too good of a contract for them to get something that's better or, or worth more to them than they are. So that's why uh, that, that's a big reason why I think they're just going to stand pat and, and try to get someone uh, to fill in a wing spot um, on the buyout market. Yeah, and one thing, because this has come up a couple times, is could they look to trade Norman Powell? Here's the challenge with Powell. He's already agreed and signed an extension, which kicks in next summer, which starts him at $9.3 million, almost nine point four, and then goes up to ten, almost eleven, and then eleven and a half in the final year, which is a player option. Because he's done that, he has what people regularly refer to as the poison pill, which is he only counts for 1.47, really the minimum, out in trade but coming back for the team acquiring him he counts at about 8.7 million so that makes the math really hard to to maneuver around if the raptors wanted to to move him which i don't i don't have any sense that they even want to do that because he's you know still somebody despite the fact that he's fallen out of the rotation he's somebody that they still like quite a bit in toronto so all right uh we're moving on with two teams left we're going back to the west the utah jazz they if you had asked me this a week ago or maybe even you know a couple days ago i probably would have said that they were um sellers i i thought it looked like utah was you know so hopelessly out of the playoff picture that they were going to start selling guys off but now all of a sudden here we sit and the utah jazz are back in the mix in the western conference they are now uh as after last night they're only three and a half behind denver for the playoff spot they're they're an offensive juggernaut all of a sudden they they can uh they can't miss shots and they're playing great so so i would put them probably in the either category i think Derek Favors is still probably my most likely to be traded guy on the roster. Just expiring contract. Sorry, I'm stealing your shtick. <laughs> um, but he's uh, you know probably the most likely guy, and he could fetch them something. He's still not a perfect fit with Gobert as the starting four man. He doesn't have the range. I, I think they'd rather have somebody who's a little more of a stretch option there going forward but you know the the jazz are they've they, they've bounced back nicely in season they had played up until i don't know where this stands but a couple of days ago they had played the hardest schedule in the nba too and it lightens up significantly in the second half so that's something to think about um and then also rodney hood they, they've been shopping him but the minute they started shopping him he got hurt now there's some suggestion that he's not really hurt and they're sitting him so he doesn't get really hurt um as they look to to trade him and and at this point he's not a big part of their rotation anyway he's somebody philly could look at getting stealing really cheap um if they could get him it's you know and then have his restricted rights after the year he's somebody celtics fans are really interested in if they don't get tyreek evans or lou williams he's kind of that third pecking order guy um, among that list of the guards but i'll still say favors maybe slightly more likely just because i think he could fetch a bigger return yeah, I think, I mean, it's tough to mess up, especially the way they play with the ball movement and everyone being involved. It's it's hard, It's hard. harder to integrate uh, someone into that system when everyone kind of needs to learn that system and, and all that. So I don't know if they're going to be making any major moves, but again, 
Derek Favors, I don't know if they're going to re-sign him. And that's, I, not to repeat what you're saying, but that's just something that they need to keep in mind is he's going to want a contract. But then again, it, it all comes back down to what is Derek Favors really going to get in the open market? Um, he is an unrestricted free agent, so they don't have that restricted kind of uh, backdrop that they can fall back on because restricted players tend to not get t- such big offers. Um, so they might just be like, you know what, maybe we can get him for cheap and just hold on to him. Um, so Joe Johnson would be yeah. my most likely among those two. Yeah, and Joe Johnson, good, good one too. Yeah, just expiring contract could help some teams. So yeah, he's a good one too. All right, let's close it out. Washington Wizards. I have them in the neither category. I just, I don't see what they could do in a trade. They don't, they don't have a lot of tradable pieces that they would be willing to trade. And I think they're again, more likely maybe to grab someone on a prorated veteran minimum contract for the rest of this year. Uh, if anything, it, at this point, I'd say a point guard, uh, just because of John Wallace continued worries about him and they're, they're making do with, um, Thomas Sauteron and Tim Frazier but I think they'd like a little bit better of an option there so again they're another team I could have seen picking up Jameer Nelson if the Bulls were willing to uh, waive him or if the Bulls were even willing to trade him by himself I could see them in the mix for for uh for Jameer Nelson but the Wizards the the challenge for them is they're they're already over the tax line they are um a they're about 5.8 million over the tax so that's that's tough that really makes it hard i don't know how much deeper into the luxury tax they want to go for a team that who knows what their ceiling is that they're playing quite well without john wall right now but wall's still their best player it's not even you know overly close in my opinion i and that's no disrespect to bradley beal or Otto porter who i like but wall's the guy who makes them go what makes me worried for them is i wouldn't take on any more long-term money because their their salary cap sheet's a mess um the extension for wall which basically doubles his pay kicks in in 2019 so that's when that designated player veteran extension kicks in for him and he's going to go from 19 million to 30 almost 38 million dollars in uh 2019-20 and then four more years in the books which that's that when i write my least tradable contracts i really hope i don't have to put that one in there in a couple years if he continues to miss time but con close us out uh washington wizards buyers sellers either neither i think they're buyers i think if they were doing a bit better like if they were in a top three seed type situation i think they'd be more willing to attach their first rounder to jason smith and then bring back um i don't know i keep on going back to justin holiday just because he's in that mold of a cheap 3 and d wing um but just any any guy like that so they can get some more depth and production but i think they're too low in the standings for them to be willing to give up give a first rounder like that um and they don't want to give up any young guys not that they have many anyway um so i would i want to say jason smith as they're most likely just to kind of get off that salary but i don't know if they have the piece to attach so i'll just go with like a chris mccullough just something bo- <laughs> something <laughs> boring <laughs> like that yeah that almost feels yeah, like it, it really is it really like is i don't yeah. <laughs> i'd rather say they they won't make chris them. mccullough sheldon yeah, Mack, yeah. you know who hasn't played all year one of yeah those i just wanted to say i think yeah. it is pretty close uh, between wall and beal personally but 
that's another topic for another okay. day. <laughs> no, that's fair. It's that's totally fair. It is, um, you know, that's again something we can get into as we yeah. do their off season preview. One thing I want to note is you you mentioned them uh, being being out of the. They're they're only half game behind Cleveland. Okay, <laughs> so the maybe they're willing to move that. The for, I mean, <laughs> which is, yeah, it's crazy. They've won four straight games. I think all without John Wall. So that's. Uh, you know, and there were some comments last night. I don't. I think they got really taken out of context by Bradley Beal, but I don't know. Maybe he was throwing shade. He he mentioned that everybody eats when Wall's not there, and it's. It, I, I don't think he meant it the way it came off. I think he meant it as just they have to move the ball because they don't have their main guy, their main ball handler. Because Bradley Beal, I mean Bradley Beal eats anyway. He gets plenty of touches when Wall's there or not there. So I think it's, you know, I think it's just more of, I think he was saying Wall's touches get divided up. So I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic and say he wasn't calling out his backcourt mate, but I don't know, maybe he was. So it's, it's, it's always, you know, you can read into anything you want with what these players say to each other, especially post game. All right, Con, we did it. it. Took us a little over an hour and a half, but we closed <laughs> it out with the uh, buyers and sellers as we head into the trade deadline. As we mentioned previous, we are back with you now. We will record at a minimum once a week. Um, we are going to look at right now. Again, we're recording this show on a Sunday. It will either come out later today or or tomorrow morning. Is that right, Con? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah tomorrow by monday okay great so okay perfect so hopefully you'll be listening to this by monday as we head into the trade deadline we will jump on some combo of con pete and myself if there is any big moves we will try to get on and break that down it might be a quick hit you know 15 20 30 minutes show if there is a trade but otherwise we're going to come back to you on trade deadline night uh day thursday um we will try to get in there as quick as we can after the deadline passes so probably you know early evening um and break down all those trades well hope i think what we're hoping will be all those trades i hope we're not done you know uh, yeah you know we, we we do this but at the end of the day we're still very much fans and we like seeing trades and moves made and all that so so we want to have stuff to break down so you know if teams are listening out there do some stuff so we have stuff to talk about um but we are uh we're we're hoping um to have an active deadline as we come in i think it's gonna be active i think teams are they're again teams in the east they're they're seeing the Cavs, and i think they're starting to think we we can beat them i think the celtics toronto washington indiana i think they feel like you know hey if things break right for us break really right for us maybe we can make a run milwaukee put them in that group as well so there it's uh you know, that's that's where where I think we're headed for the rest of this uh, next few days as we head into the trade deadline. Uh, Con, tell people where they can find you on Twitter and plug whatever you want to plug. Yeah, my Twitter handle, uh, Con, K-A-A-N underscore M-T-D. Um, and then you can follow uh, my podcast at the Benchmob NBA. Uh, you can go check that out. I refer to it a couple times throughout the podcast. Um, we, we just talk about the league in general we do mock trade deadlines per team's perspective and and all that so go check that out and yeah that's that's it for me thanks for listening to this though <laughs> yeah absolutely no yeah and you know i know you guys work hard over there in the bench mob podcast and there's a lot of people really getting into um 
you know, get, getting into those. People love the, you know, anytime you start talking trades and made up trades and everything else, people get super into that. So, you know, good on you guys over there. As far as me, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA is where you can find me. Uh, be pretty active. I'll try and have my NBA salary and roster sheets out as quick as I can after any trades on deadline day itself. It's really hard if there's a whole bunch because I try to do, you know, one big upload. But if they stagger deals in, we'll go. And I'm going to use this is my final plug and reminder 3 p.m eastern time is the trade deadline for thursday on the 8th but don't forget teams can can get deals submitted to the league all the way up to 3 p.m and sometimes it's four and five o'clock before we get those final details of what's going on sometimes those deals get right in there at the buzzer and we we don't go so if your favorite team hasn't done anything at 3 p.m don't give up hope yet because it may be in there but you know you when when we know you can come back here to the nba front office show we will break it all down for you so we are the nba front office show i'm your host keith smith we are part of the almighty baller podcast network and we will talk to you next time plug you put the plug in the drain right ah uh, it's on the dock there's a reason they say curse like a sailor ah. many reasons progressive's boat insurance has you covered quote today at progressive.com progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates and now an ad from dad save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with progressive Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, a really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.